Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. share just a little bit of my heart about where we're going as a class moving forward, kind of now that things are uh, restarted, and so um, anyways, I'll talk to you about that at the end, but if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, it's been in a really verse-by-verse study of uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians entitled Living in Light of Eternity, Living in Light of Eternity, and so the point of that, and if you'll give me just, uh, bear with me for just a couple minutes while I rehearse that for maybe those who haven't been able to be in here. The book of 1 Thessalonians, really is 2 Thessalonians, is written to new Christians. Um, it's written to a group of people that Paul actually ends up ministering and starting and helping plant a church in that city as a result of persecution. And so he goes into uh, Philippi, I believe, and uh, he goes in. And when he goes there, he experiences persecution and he ends up having to leave. And so the city that he kind of retreats to was Thessalonica and so while he was there as his custom was is he began to preach and teach uh, the Bible and he saw souls saved a church was founded and he's writing back to them to really explain some things as you know most of the time this happens even in church today sometimes you get so focused on maybe communicating what God's laid on your heart that there are some things that can get lost in the shuffle and so Paul is writing back to them to really explain what does the end of life look like what does eternity look like um, when is when is all this going to occur they had seen people in their congregation and then their church pass away and so he's writing back to them to answer some of their questions and so he's really giving them a perspective of how to live as a result of all that we know is going to happen in the end. And so the reason why we've kind of honed in on this verse and on this book uh, is because our theme this year is unmovable. And the reason why we chose that theme is because society is beginning to change. Society is beginning to move. Society is beginning to become more fluid. And to be unmovable in a moving society, you've got to have your mind and your heart focused on something that never changes, and that is God. And what you will see in the days ahead and as we draw closer to the Lord's return is that life is going to change drastically. And if you're not careful, you will change along with culture. You will change along with life. Unless you have your heart and your mind focused on eternity. And so today's lesson is pretty much just nuts and bolts, okay? It's pretty much just practical application of how to minister in the last days, how to minister when you know that Christ is returning. And so we'll look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, probably one of my favorite passages in the book that we're about to read. Um, Like I said, just super practical. And so let's read what Paul says by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse 1. The Bible says this, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, which by the way, if you'll remember, we closed out our 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 series with the thought of what is a vain Christian or are you a vain Christian? And so that thought is now resurfacing in chapter number two. He says that my entrance in, my coming to you was not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before 
and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. I would encourage you that if you have a habit of marking your Bible, of highlighting important verses, verse number four is so crucial to how the gospel goes forward. He says, we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, but we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but I want you to see this next phrase, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us you were dear unto us for you remember brethren our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you we preached unto you the gospel of god ye are witnesses and god also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe as ye know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Would you go back up and read verse number 8 with me out loud, and we'll go down and we'll read verse number 12 together out loud as well. Verse number 8, ready, begin. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Now let's skip down and read verse number 9 out loud together. Verse number, or verse number 12, I'm sorry. Verse number 12 out loud together. That you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. When you read through these verses, do you get a sense of Paul's heart? Do you get a sense of just how much he cared? If there is anything in this life that probably the generation sitting in this room and really just the church in general struggles with, it is developing a care for ministry. It is developing a care to do what God has called us to do. If we're honest with ourselves, I think that what we would have to say is that we care a lot more about other things in this life than what God has called us and told us specifically to do. Whether that be business or a job or an education or whatever, you, you can define it. Maybe friends, maybe hobbies. We can become so consumed with the things that God has really not told us anything about that we fail to care and to minister to others. And so today I want us to really look at this thought of a manual for ministry, a manual for ministry. What does God want? How does God want us to minister? How does he want us to help others? You see, sometimes I think that we get this idea that just so I'm doing the right thing, just so I'm doing what God's told me to do, it doesn't matter how I do it. So if I help others in a bad mood, who cares, okay? 
God doesn't just care about what we do. He cares about how we do it. So with that in mind, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the thoughts in this passage. Lord, we thank you for Paul's heart. Lord, these people were Gentiles. They weren't Jews. They were who Paul turned to when the Jews would not listen. And God, as a result of that, we as 2021 uh, Americans also have the gospel. And so may we handle it the same way that Paul handled it. May we not just be worried about what we do, but how we do it. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I've kind of referenced this in maybe some lessons a couple of weeks ago, but I want to bring it back up with maybe a little bit of a different twist. And if you'll hang on to the conclusion, we'll throw in another twist, okay? But um, sometimes when we talk about maybe the end of the world or when we talk about what eternity is going to look like or we talk about Jesus returning one of the things that gets asked a lot to people is well what would you do if Jesus Christ were to return this week if you knew when Christ was going to return what would you do what would you change and the truth is is that we all probably have some things I think the carnal Christians what they end up looking at is they end up saying well if I knew that Christ was going to return I'd go and sow my wild oats and I'd go do everything that I was going to do I know I'm on my way to heaven I know that Christ is going to take me up I know I'm going to go in the rapture so I'm going to go and do what I wish I could have done all these years anyways okay that's how a carnal Christian views it a spiritual Christian might step back and say, well, you know, I would tweak some things in my life. I would probably become more urgent in my witness. I would become more urgent in my walk with God. I, I would pray more for others. And so we step back and all of us have things that we would probably change if we knew that Jesus Christ was going to return this week. But I think what Paul is saying in this passage is that you should always live thinking that Jesus Christ is going to return. It shouldn't matter whether you know the time. You should always be living that way. And in this passage, I think what you see is as Paul begins to write, he shows his heart for these people, and he shows that he is always living with eternity in mind. He's showing that he is always prepared for Jesus Christ to return. And he really gives us a little glimpse into not only his heart, but he gives us a glimpse into how to minister to others. And sadly, what many of us have stepped back and what we've seen and really maybe what we are even looking at in our world today is when we see that Christ could potentially return, we have turned more inward than ever before. One of the maybe broad overarching statements and accusations of the generation sitting in this room and i don't know maybe your this class is the exception to that and i pray that we are and we're going to do more trying to be the exception to it okay but one of the overarching kind of accusations of the people in this room is that it we we're perceived as selfish okay we're perceived as inward thinking and not always maybe in the way that it is perceived but sometimes we are just good at maintaining our little life, aren't we? We're good at maybe saying, well, this is what I'm going to get, and this is what I'm going to chase after, and this is what I'm going to focus on, and I have my little group of friends, and I have my little clique, and I have my church, and my class, and my friends, and my Bible, and my, my job, and my hobbies, and so this is, this is me. This is, this is, you take all of that, you bring it in together, and this is what that means. I don't think that biblically Paul ever lived like that. 
Can you imagine being called to a ministry to where it sometimes meant that you were ran out by persecution and so you ended up in a different city? What if Paul would have said, well, just not really an outgoing guy. So, I mean, when someone knocks on my door and says, Paul, we want to know all about the gospel. Well, then I'll probably tell them. But Paul was in a position to where he was constantly probably outside his comfort zone. He was constantly thinking about how can I minister to people. Now, one of the things that I will say is that I think that God uses different people. I think that God uses a variety of different personalities. I think that God can use you as you are, but he also can use you as you begin to change. And here's what I want us to step back and look at. Is we've all heard the phrase that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. But what does that mean for you and I in 2021? It means that God doesn't just care that we handed out an Easter flyer. God cares about how we do it as well. God doesn't just care about what you do. He cares about how you do it. And if you're not careful, you can convince yourself, well, I'm doing the Christian life because I read my Bible and I pray and yeah, I love others. Every single one of you have people in your life. And at the end of the lesson, I'm going to challenge you to think about it and find them. But every single one of you have people in your life that you have a sphere of influence with that no one else does. How has God used you in that sphere this week? I don't know about you, but one of the things that I've learned in my life is that I try to get out of conversations pretty quick. Like, I'm always on the move. I'm not, like, a super, like, talkative person, okay? So, like, I actually just told Lauren the other day, I said, you know what I caught myself doing in the conversation this week? When someone was talking to me, I was going, yeah, oh, oh, okay. Well, I got, yeah, and you know people that like to talk, they don't listen, okay? So it's like, yeah, oh, okay, cool, yeah, wow. And, like, like if I'm talking and I hear someone going, yeah, I'm going to be like, you're not listening, and I'm just going to walk away, okay? But people who like to talk, I'm like, yeah, okay, oh, oh, yeah, wow. That's not ministering. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit has crept in and kind of like when someone talks to you, ask questions and act like you're listening. Not act like you're listening, but if you, if I have to, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> but at least say something back to where they know that you're paying attention. And my biggest fear is this. I know me. I know my personality. And my biggest fear is this that I can get everything done in the way that I want it done and in the time frame that I want it done and forget the people that I'm working alongside of along the way. And for most of us, the way that that translates into our day-to-day -day lives is this, is we can gather everything this world has to offer. We can get a new phone, a new laptop, a new computer, a new car, a new job, an education, and forget the people that God has placed around us throughout the course of the day. So let me give you 10 thoughts. And we're going to apply them. Some of you are like, holy smokes, 10 thoughts. We're never going to get done, all right? 10 thoughts just out of these verses. First of all, minister intentionally. Minister intentionally. He says this in verse number one. He says, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. He said this was not a waste. This was not empty. This was intended. I don't think that Paul got to Thessalonica after he got ran out of Philippi and he, and he crossed his arms and he began to pout and think, oh, well, that wasn't my plan. 
he saw it as something that God used to point him to people who were ready to hear the gospel. He said it was not in vain. I wonder how many of our day-to-day -day interactions do we waste because we're not thinking about eternity. Are you serious? I had a, I had a fender bender on the way to work. Who'd you have that fender bender with? How can you, I remember every, every little fender bender or anything that I've ever gotten in, everyone that I've had it with has just been like these ecstatic people. Like, oh my goodness, are you okay? I'm bored, we couldn't die. It's like, no. Like, you, you can't, if you, do you even see a scratch? Like, like they're like in their car like, <gasps> call 911. I'm like, are you okay? They're like, how are you walking? It's like, because nothing happened. Like, and if you're not careful, you can see something like that, like, oh my goodness, this is such an inconvenience. You can see car trouble is such an inconvenience. You can see financial problems is such an inconvenience. You can see all of these things that are just a part of life for all honesty, okay? You can see them as an inconvenience, or you can see them as an opportunity to minister to someone. Right now, I'll share a quick story. I didn't have this in my notes, but I'll share it real quick because I think that it applies. Um, my son, a couple of months ago, had to go and have a bunch of stuff checked out on his knee. He was having, it was like swelling, he couldn't move it, blah, blah, whatever, okay? So we ended up going through three or four different doctors and he accumulated a bunch of bills and stuff. And so we've called and we've been kind of trying to work through some of it. And so they've ended up getting our billing process and system all messed up to where they thought we were past due. And like there was, it was just, it was weird. Like I've actually never seen it. And so like, I'm starting to get calls now saying like, if you don't pay this, like you're gonna, like it's gonna hurt your credit, like all this. And I'm like, I am paying it. In fact, like I've called 39 people and asked them how to pay it. Like, I, like I'm not trying to hold my, and so I remember I called a lady and like, it was one of those things to where like they don't answer your phone until now it's like, oh, you're the bad guy. So we see your account number. So we're gonna answer your calls. So after I was the bad guy, everyone started answering my phone calls. I remember I called a lady and like, I was, I was worked up. Like I was not in the spirit. I was in the flesh. I'll be completely honest. Okay. And so I called and I said, ma'am, here's where I'm at. I said, I've tried to do everything I can with this bill. I said, I've called you and I'm, I'm pretty OCD about keeping notes. I said, I've called you 21 times. I said, I can give you the dates. I can give you the times. I can tell you when it was. And she goes, Oh, I actually see where your account number logged in 21 times and we didn't answer the phone. I'm like, okay, well, thank you for recognizing that. And so, um, so I was, I was, I was kind of like coming on pretty strong. And uh, I said, look, here's where I'm at. And I said, I'm going to get this paid. And I, I don't care. <laughs> Probably a little overdramatic. I said, I don't care whether I'm dying. We won't do service with you again because this is, this is handled awfully. Like it, it's not done well. And she goes, sir, I am so sorry. And she kind of like, which good customer service people know how to like talk you off the ledge, okay? And so she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, that actually is completely our fault. And she said, what can we do? I said, ma'am, here's the deal. I work for a church. I'm a Christian. And I said, I'm not trying to cheat anybody out of money. I said, in fact, I will pay over what I owe if that means that the, it will settle this with you. And I said, my fear is that I don't want someone else to be placed in the spot that I'm in that can't do what I'm able to do financially. And she goes, I 100% understand this week we got a bill or we got a letter apologizing, which I've never even seen from someone from a company, and saying that the bill had been completely paid off and that we didn't know anything. Now that's a miracle and that was a prayer request and that was something that like my wife and I were praying. 
But I look back on that. If I would have done what Joel Norse wanted to do, which Joel Norse started out the first 30 seconds doing what Joel Norse wanted to do, it was like, a, like God said, you idiot, shut up and just let me handle it, all right? And I told the lady, I said, the Lord has a way of taking care of my needs and taking care of my problems. And she goes, it was, it was really sweet because it was this older black lady. And she goes, oh, honey, I know who I'm talking to now. She's like, the Lord sure does take care of me. It's like, yes, he does. But every interaction should be met with what God wants us to do in that moment. And if you're not careful... And, and I'm saying this as, as, as an accusation on myself. If you're not careful, you will see it as an opportunity to prove yourself and prove who you are. Well, I got I to gotta tell someone who I am. I've got, I got to let them know what I really think. And nine times out of ten, all we do in that moment is not only do we hurt the cause of Christ, but we hurt our own opportunity to minister. So minister intentionally. I said I was going to go fast. Holy smokes. Minister with opposition. He says this in verse number two. He says, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Thessalonica was not an easy place to minister. And most of the time, when you stop ministering is when you face opposition. And if you can know in your heart ahead of time, I'm going to continue to do what God has called me to do, even when it's not easy. What does the Bible say about Daniel in the very first chapter of Daniel? That Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Long before Daniel ever faced an opportunity to fail God and to do what God had told him not to do, he made a decision to continue to do it in the face of opposition. So minister with opposition. Thirdly, minister boldly. Minister boldly. He says, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel. Sometimes we become more bold and what God doesn't tell us to be bold with, then we do what God has told us to be bold with. God's told you to be bold with the gospel. And sometimes we can be bold about what we think about the government. We can be bold with what we think about certain issues. We can be bold with what we think about on certain talking points. But we can't be bold with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So minister boldly. Fourthly, minister purely. Minister purely. He says this in verse number four, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God. And I want you to skip down verse and look at verse number 10. He says, ye are witnesses and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we, be we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Your life is either going to point people to something that they want or point people away from something that they need. Your life is either going to point people to something that they want or point them away from something that they need. And how you live your life, sometimes when I say, well, I, I've got freedom, I've got grace, I've got all this, I've got liberty. Uh, you're 100% true. But what about the person who doesn't understand that? What about the person who is struggling in the area where you're taking advantage of? You've just lost an opportunity to be a witness to them. 
And Paul said this, he moved in this city and he says, I was unblameable. He said, I was, I was holy, I was just. I mentioned this last week and I'll mention it again just quickly. Paul actually, a lot of people believe that he started back up his tent making business while he was in Thessalonica just so he could work at this church for free. He said, I didn't even want to be a burden to you. I wanted to be pure. I wanted to be unblameable. And so much of the gospel gets destroyed because one Christian has to go off and be an idiot, for lack of a better, to not mince my words, okay? Well, the gospel is great, and the gospel is good, and the gospel works. Yes, but it takes pure and holy people to present it to a lost and dark world. And sometimes what we want the gospel to do is we want the gospel to work through our smut. We want the gospel to, oh, the gospel's powerful. It is powerful, but it's going to be worked and done and delivered in a way that is pleasing to Christ and that is effective and that is attractive when it is presented in a clean and pure way. So minister purely, fifthly, minister for God. You say that, that shouldn't even need to be said, but Paul says it, so we're going to talk about it, okay? He says, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Look at verse number six. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. I'm going to say this quick, but I want you to listen quick, okay? When ministry becomes about man, it becomes a problem. And when you look at the problems of Christianity and the problems of churches in today's world, what you can normally go to and run back to is that it was rooted in that it became about a man. It became about someone. It became about a selfish motive. It became about getting attention or building a kingdom or building a power or building a church. And so everyone can come and see how great I am. That's not the point. And when you walk out of this room, my goal has always been, and I've said it up here a thousand times and I will continue to say it. If you walk out of this room and you say, Joel Norse is a great teacher, I have failed you. But if you walk out of this room and say, God is a great God, then you have found what I have want, what I've wanted you to. God is great. I'm not. And so much of our methods and motives and ministry and how we minister is, well, I'm going to go and do this so that someone thinks I'm good. That's not the point. God wants us to go in with the motive that he be glorified, not that we be glorified. And so minister for God, sixthly, I don't even know if that's a word. Um, minister gently. Minister gently. He says this in verse number seven. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. He says, we were gentle. We didn't come in and just start pounding you with the word of God. I'm going to beat you over the head with this so that you get it. We were gentle among you. When was the last time that you took the gentleness of Christ and let it pass through you to someone else? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of people you can chew out in this life. There's plenty of people that you can say what you really think about. But when was the last time you took the route that Christ took? He took the gentle route. Have you ever looked in the Gospels and seen who Jesus chewed out? There was only one group that he ever confronted in a harsh and wrathful manner. It was the people of the church. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
When the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus defended her. Look at the people that he showed his gentleness to, and look at the people that he showed his wrath to. Minister gently, seventhly. <laughs> Minister affectionately. I love verse number eight. We don't have the time to really dive into it super deep, but he says, so being affectionately desirous of you, when we're willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Can I just be completely honest with you? Ministry has a way of sucking a lot of life out of people. If I'm being honest with where I'm at right now, I am exhausted, okay? The last year, year and a half has been the weirdest year I've ever seen, and I'm, I'm done with it, right? <laughs> I can't even begin to describe to you the way that ministry has changed in the last year, what it's brought to the surface, what it's caused people to do, how it's caused people to live. And it's exhausting, but here's what I want you to see. When Paul says that he gave unto them his own souls, his own soul, the only way, I want you to listen to this because this may be the most important thing that I've said out of all the 390,000 words I've already said, okay? The only way that you can give to someone else and minister to someone else is if you've been full and ministered to. And too many times the reason why we can't minister to others is because we've completely depleted ourselves. The reason that Paul was able to minister so effectively and so passionately is because he was full of God. He had gotten his cup full to where if you bumped him, Christ came out. Not Paul. He was full of God. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was chasing after what matters. And so that meant that he was able to give them his all because he was full of God. And so minister uh, affectionately, uh, number eight, minister selflessly. He says this at the end of uh, uh, verse eight. He says, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. Don't minister for yourself. And then number nine, minister with nurture. And then number 10, minister with purpose minister with purpose he says minister with nurture in verses 9 and 11 he actually uses how a father loves his children which obviously we saying how deep the father's love today the only way that you can let love pass to someone else is if you've experienced the love of god in your own life and that's a daily thing but then he says minister with purpose once you look at verse number 12 that ye would walk worthy of god who hath called you into his kingdom and his glory. Your goal in the life of those that you minister to should be that they would walk worthy of God. Give me one minute and let me talk you through something, okay? If someone were to tell you this week that Jesus Christ were to come back, we would have a lot of changes that we needed to make, wouldn't we? But what would it take to be able to live so that you didn't have anything to change? That's a hard question. You want to know what my goal has been after reading this verse? Is that if someone said, hey, Christ is coming back next Sunday. I would want to be able to say, that's exciting. I wouldn't want to be disappointed and think, oh, man, I had so much more that I wanted to accomplish. I'm the type of person where if I know something's coming, I feel like i got to do 490 things to get ready for it, okay? 
That's actually one of the motivations that me and my wife have for when we want to get something done around the house. We'll schedule to have people over. It's like, holy cow. We've got to find something to get done. But what would it take to live so that you didn't have anything to get ready? What would it take for you to be able to say, if Christ is coming back on Sunday, I'm ready. I'm not changing anything. I'm not changing anything. I'm not changing how I live. I'm not changing how I interact. I, I know that my priorities are in the right place. I know that my focus is in the right place. I know that I've given everything that I have, and I'm ready for him. And I think that as Paul's writing this, what he's saying is, Thessalonica, I gave you my all. Because I knew that if Christ were to come back, I did my best. And that's a hard place to live in 2021. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for everything given us. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who has given us a ministry. Not just those who are called into full-time ministry, but Lord, those who have people in their lives that they can minister to. I ask that you would give them grace, or I ask that you would not just help them to do what they're supposed to, but to pay attention to how they do it. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me just talk you through real quick where we're headed as a class. If some of you need to slip out, you're welcome to. Um, but here's what we're, we're doing, okay? Next week, we'll roll out our quarter two calendar, and so we'll have all of our events on. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.